Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. If you guys don't have anything else for me, we'll jump into chapter 13, which is talking about using technology to manage information. And so when I say something is a tool, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about tools? Yeah, like a, like a traditional hammer or screwdriver or something like that, you know, a wrench. So tools can be a lot of different things, though. Technology is a way we can leverage our time to do so much more. So, like, the idea of having a meeting, you know, I'm not a meeting person. And so, like, the idea of going to a meeting and sitting there for an hour or two is really kind of a painful thing for me to do because I just don't, I'm not a meeting person. Most people are not. And so instead of having a meeting with 10 people, why couldn't we record the things we're going to talk about in the meeting put it on YouTube or send it out in a video, email, whatever you want to do. Let the people watch it. Uh, and sometimes, like, do you ever watch streaming at, like, one and a half times or one and a quarter times speed? you ever do that? Do you know you can do that? Watch movies, like, accelerated? Like, I didn't realize, like, how slow some movies are until I realized I could, fa- like, go fast. So some of these movies that it's really slow, I'll put it on, like, time and a half. And you can watch a two-hour movie in like an hour and 15 or something like that or hour 30. really crunches down the time. And so, in fact, some movies now, I'll just skip to like the middle section and watch the back half of the movie. That's where all the stuff happens anyway, right? The rest is just build up. And so, um, but the same application can happen for meetings. Instead of me lecturing to you guys, you four in this classroom, I can record it, post it online, and 400 people could listen to it. And so technology is a tool. It's a way to lever or leverage ourselves. Um, has anybody ever thought about developing an app? Did you have an idea for an app that you thought was a cool concept? Maybe. I don't know. I've thought of some ideas, but I'm not a software programmer or software writer. But the thing about applications is once you create that app and you put in that initial effort, put it in the app store, and it's available to millions and millions of people, and it's duplicatable across all their different devices. Same thing with writing. Once I write something and I put it out there, if somebody wants to read my book, once it's out there and for sale, it's, it's working for me. It's duplicating over and over again without me having to do that effort again. And so you want to use tools, and technology is a big tool that we can use to lever our time and uh, lever our efforts up a little bit. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, And so information technology, equipment and techniques used to manage and process information. Information about processes or processes and participants is necessary for business to operate. Orders, products, inventory, shipping, customers, employees, all of that goes into information technology. The shift from an industrial society to a knowledge-based society. And so um, does anybody use Facebook anymore? Is that like kind of maybe? Nobody? Okay. What's the number one social media you guys prefer? Instagram? Instagram? Snapchat? So Facebook, I'm like, I've got a lot of problems with Facebook. I don't have it on my phone anymore. And I feel fine not having it, but I still keep it. And I'll go up there 
mainly to post pictures of my kids for my family to see. And if I, if I have something I want to share that's positive, I'll do it. But the thing about Facebook and, and social media is that they are not the product. You are the product because they use ad revenue geared towards its users in order to create revenue stream and to create profit. Um, same thing with Google. I mean, Google will show you suggestions based on where you're located and based on all these different metrics they learn about you over time. And so once you sign into your Gmail account, uh, it knows like everything you've ever searched for. Has everybody ever done that, by the way, looked up their search history of everything? Yeah, and, and they use those, those things to say, okay, like if I click on an ad on Facebook, that's a major breakthrough for Facebook. The idea that you would actually click on an ad, you're, you're giving them a ton of information. Whatever this ad was, it was enough to merit a click. And whatever this product or service is, obviously Ryan's interested enough in that to click on it and look at it. And they even measure not only that I clicked, but they measure how long I stay within that website, within that application. And so if I click, if I click through it and then I look at the first page and then I click back out of it, they learn something from that. But if I click through all the way to a purchase, they learn something about that too. And so they show you more of what you are interested in. And that's, that's why we're in this knowledge-based society. They try to create a universe for every individual online. And I believe that it's just going to continue more and more to where um, everybody's seen Ready Player One. Have you seen that movie? Basically, it's a, a movie about 30 years in the future where you go online to the Internet, but you wear a VR headset and you wear a kind of a bodysuit, and you get to experience a more um, in-depth experience. So you actually physically are in the physical world, but you're walking around in a virtual world online. And I, I believe we could get to something like that where you're experiencing a thing. But everything that you do inside that virtual world is cataloged, and they create an experience based on what your preferences is. You know, So when you log into some either social media or account that you have online, they know what your preferences are. They know what kind of color schemes you like. They know what they, the background they want to have for you. So computers are tools of information age, complex operations to everyday jobs. Um, so supercomputers have the ability to perform complex calculations quickly, critical role in national security, scientific research and demographic studies. Business use are used to analyze customer behavior product management and design. So there's actually a lot of consumer science that goes into uh, pretty much everything we do from an online and a physical shopping experience. Did you know that Walmart does um, actual vision studies where they will put a customer in a virtual reality simulation and they identify, they actually look at the eyes of the customer and they look at what draws the customer's eyes and how much time they spend looking in particular directions in a virtual space. And they can determine based on that what color skews work the best, what gets people's eyes to, drawn to it. And uh, they are able to derive like from that uh, how they want to lay out their store, what's, what gets people interested out of the, right out of the get-go. So um, they, they do spend a lot of time deriving that customer uh, experience, or drive, uh, using the data to drive what customer experience they want to have. So oppor opportunities for collaboration on a global scale, rise of electronic trading hubs. The CIOs manages the information resources for each organization 
and knowledge workers become increasingly important. Um, having tons of information and how to extract meaningful um, analysis from that. So I was in Myrtle Beach a couple years ago, and these guys were passing out $5 bills. It was legit. And I was very skeptical, though. I was like, eh, I don't know what's going on. All they wanted to know, do, they were doing market research, and they were said, will you take $5 to answer one question? And I said, no. <laughs> so I go sit down and watch. And what they're asking about is, have you heard about this particular nightclub? And uh, do you mind asking? They would ask them one question and say, well, do you mind answering one more? So it's kind of like a small bait and switch. But they were trying to determine how they heard about this particular nightclub and find out what marketing methodology is best for the consumer. And so they're paying, you know, $5 a pop to get that information. But if you're doing market research, um, sometime when you have time, drive by the outer corner of Wayne Community towards uh, uh, Wayne Memorial. And what you see on the corner is this big sign that's soliciting hotels to come be on that. It's on the other side of the convention center. They want somebody to come buy that land and build a hotel there. And they've actually done a study on why that's a good idea to put a hotel there. Guess how much they paid the research company to do to perform that study? It was well over $100,000. And so they went and they performed a study to analyze everything they could about Wayne County and quantify it. They got like, you know, who lives here, how much money they make, what type of industry we have, all these different metrics. And the, the reason why is so they can provide this to potential uh, companies that may want to put a hotel there and uh, convince them this is a good investment. So information technology, um, highly important. So data information systems, management information systems provides information about all aspects of a firm's operations. Hey, sir, what's up? Providing managers with information necessary for decision-making. Businesses collect raw data. Yeah, the raw data is just uh, this glut of information and it's unorganized. You have to be able to analyze it to extract meaningful content from that. Well, um, on that note, has anybody ever got the receipt from a restaurant and if you do the survey, you get something out of it? If you go to Hardee's, if you go to Wendy's, some yeah, sometimes at Chick-fil-A, they'll, they'll say, you know, fill out this survey, customer satisfaction survey, we'll give you a free sandwich. That's the kind of the catch. And I've done a couple of these, and what you look at, I, I like to do it just for the see what type of questions they ask. But you go in and they, they want to find out about their dining experience. They want to find out about their cleanliness. They want to find out about their, um, their personnel. Uh, and then they start analyzing each individual food item that you, you know, may have consumed. Really, they're getting a bunch of data. And it may seem insignificant, your one piece of feedback that you offer, but when you aggregate it, you know, a thousand times or ten thousand times, you get a really clear picture of what's going on and, and how the public perceives your restaurant. And so if you've got ten thousand people that have eaten at your restaurant, you're uh, you know, incentivizing them, you're gonna give them a sandwich if they fill it out. So they, they fill it out, there's gonna be some truth that leaks into there. They're gonna they're gonna be able to derive some meaningful content from that. And so they can make adjustments based on that feedback and see, okay. Um, in fact, if they look at a big cross-section and they've got 100 restaurants in that cross-section, they can identify the best performers and the worst performers on a, on a survey metric. And that alone will say, okay, these are our top 20 problem restaurants that we've got bad feedback from. Is it the personnel? Is it the cleanliness? Is it the food quality? 
Is it the food prep? What is causing this to be the problem, children, over here? And it, it helps you adapt, you know, make better decisions. <clears throat> Well-designed IT systems and computer process um, data into useful information for specific purposes and decision-making. <clears throat> right now, we're about to enter the Christmas season. The season, I guess we're there. Um, and I'm, did I mention to you guys looking at the bike rack at Walmart? Did I talk to you guys about that? The bike rack in the children's department, the toys. If you'll notice that right now, it's slam full. There's bikes all over the place. But look at it again 10 days before Christmas. It'll be empty. And it's like shocking to me, even though I know that's going to happen, because uh, last year, year before, I walked by it, and it was like gone. All the bikes had sold out. And Walmart knows they're going to sell so much more bikes in that last couple weeks before Christmas. Bikes are still a big Christmas item for kids to get. It's, it's one of the top 10 uh, all-time Christmas items on their, on their Christmas list. Um, because, you know, you get kids outside, it's fun, it's got a big, you know, presence in the living room, it looks great. So, um, if you look at the data, Walmart can break down the data on all their top 100 items in each department very easily, and they can tell you, like, in toy department, these are our top items by category. They can tell you what's going to sell, they can tell you the exact week it's going to bl blow up. Um, look at another metric, look at Thanksgiving. If you walk in Walmart on, a th on the weeks before Thanksgiving, what do you see in the middle? Cranberry sauce, like stuffing mix, muffin mix, cake mixes, what else? Oils, chocolate chips, sugar, flour, oil, yeah, the oils like you mentioned. All these different things because they know these categories are going to blow up and they're going to sell like four or five times more than they normally do during that time frame. And so, yeah, and a lot of canned goods, canned corns, canned beans, all kinds of stuff. And so if you are managing that part of the business, you look at it and say, okay, the information systems is telling me that I've got, I'm about to have a huge spike. The system will automatically kick that to you because the system has recognized there's about to be a windfall of sales, and we can go ahead and predict when that's going to happen and go ahead and get it to you. But you can do some human uh, manipulation or manual manipulation to I add more or less because you still run out of some items and you can uh, adjust that. So database is the electronic file system, collects and organizes data and information, uh, like customer databases as an example. Company-wide e uh, ERB brings together HR operations, uh, and et cetera. And so computer networks, a couple different types we're going to talk about. Uh, two or more computer systems linked together share data, and that is a network whether it be like the internet, which is across the globe, or a intranet, which is internal. Um, often thousands of users transmit audio and video, involves clients and servers, increase productivity efficiently, like file sharing and things like that. And so two types that I want to talk about is the LAN and the WAN. Local area network or LAN lets people at one site exchange data and share use of hardware and software from a variety of computer manufacturers. Most cost-effective way to link computers, commonly used in small business, office automation, accounting, things like that. Uh, a WAN uh, connects computers at different sites via telecommunications media. Internet is essentially a WAN because it connects computers across the wide area. Companies such as AT&T, Verizon, Sprint operate very large WANs. Several forums, intranets, virtual privacy networks or VPNs, and then extranets. So those are the two kind of essential basic types of networks. Um, have you ever heard of a LAN party, L-A-N? Yeah, 
these are where people get together and they can cook, hook either uh, consoles or computers together to uh, do gaming and things like that. So, um, but yeah, the internet is basically a large, uh, wide area network. All right. So to just um, expand upon the WAN a little bit, several forms widely available and used in the corporate world, the intranet for private corporate networks. When I worked at Walmart, they had an a intranet. And when you went on a computer, any console, you could only visit two websites in the World Wide Web, walmart.com, and you could visit the NOAA um, Hurricane Center to track storms because... Why do you think they would want us to do that? What's that? What else? Think about money. What? So weather is very closely connected to retail. If we're gonna have a storm, we wanna know about it because uh, if we can anticipate weather coming in, we can order additional supplies that are gonna sell like flashlights, batteries, water, things like that, you know, um, uh, battery powered radios, all that kind of stuff really blows up during hurricane season. If you walk into a Lowe's during hurricane season across the front of their um, action alley where they have a lot of uh, pallets and stuff, you'll see Emergency preparedness kits, water, flashlight batteries, that kind of stuff. Um, the enterprise portal, internal website that provides proprietary corporate information to a divine user group, meaning that if you go to a corporate webpage, you can have a employee login that gets you into the information that's only available to employees. The VPN or virtual private network connects two or more private networks over public networks, such as in, uh, the internet. Um, this basically allows you to connect in a private way to a, another network or to another computer uh, or another network without having um, any type of, I guess, uh, the network being able to see it because it is through a VPN. And so there's more and more. Have you heard about this on TV, commercials or anything about VPNs? A lot more people are, are turning to VPNs because they don't want third parties to be able to access whatever it is they, they look at on the internet, you know, and so they feel like their privacy is infringed upon. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but why would they do that? Just curious. I mean, there's some, I mean, different countries, Netflix and Netflix content on it. Okay, got you. Yeah. So you could use a VPN to get around that, I guess, you know. Um, I believe in the next, uh, yeah, I believe in the next five to ten years, more and more, like providers will offer VPN as a standard, you know. Um, and really, I mean, it should be a standard. I mean, you know, like uh, I think privacy is something we should have a right to, right, you know. Um, application service providers, companies subscribe and use application. And then lastly, managed service providers, greater customization and capabilities that include business processes and complete management of network servers. So a lot of different uh, WAN or WAN uh, interactions there. Um, and so the next aspect is talking about um, managing the actual information. It falls into uh, the management of the information systems. Factories uh, automate processes, bank process transactions, uh, consumer book, consumers book hotels and download music. 
allows users to analyze data and make forecasts, identify business trends, uh, and model business strategies. Each type serves a particular level of decision making. And so, yeah, there's just so many different facets that it goes into. You can have an integrated information system, starts with transaction and processing system, receives raw data, and prepares these uh, data for storage in large databases. So every time you buy something with a debit card, you're actually providing a ton of metadata to the credit card companies and to the company that you're buying something from. So like you can, there's actually this function, going back to Walmart as an example, they can pull up the average buggy of their entire company for that day and say on, a, on this given, on the, today or Tuesday, they can say the average buggy in America right now has 11 items and it's these 11 items. They can tell you that's the kind of what the, the after they crunched all the sales and looked at all the things that were purchased, they can, they can extrapolate and find out this is what people purchased the most. And um, it's really interesting. So let's go, let's say you go to the store, walk in a random store, you pick up three items, whatever it may be, you swipe that debit card. What are you telling that credit card company and what are you telling the, the actual company you're buying it from? You're saying, this is me. This is my this is who I am. This is what my name is. This is my card information. This is where I live because it's connected to your card. Tell them this is where I was at this time, you know, two two nineteen on a Tuesday afternoon, right? This is what I purchased, you know, and then from there they can go and find out through like looking at store cameras and stuff how long you were in there or your cell phone information where you were. So there's a lot of metadata that's out there that people don't see or think about. But it's it's just out there all the time, and it's kind of like a pain a pain point because if you try to reduce that metadata in your life, it introduces a lot of pain points. So let's say you turned off location services on your phone, um, a lot of things wouldn't work as well. You know, let's, if you needed to use your map on your phone, or um, if you're if you ever open an app and says allow location services, and you'll say only while app is in use or all the time or never. Have you seen those options on iPhone? Yeah. And if you try to turn that off and never use it, it creates some pain points for you. So they want to know where you're at, what you're doing. And uh, some of it is for convenience, but others, you kind of question, what's the motivation there? So, so raw, raw data, um, they go into storage. And at any point, somebody could pull up data from me from 15 or 20 years ago. And you can actually deconstruct my purchase habits over time. You know, it's like... If you go back to when I was 20, you can look, I bought, I was buying a lot of Papa John's pizza and stuff now, you know, and then I started grocery shopping and I was, you know, having to go do this and you can actually see evolution of consumer behavior over time. It's really a strange thing and interesting. So TPS tracks the data and allows users to query the database for information they need. Uh, updates in two ways, batch and in real time. Depends on the amount of data that you've got to process, if how real time it can be. Some systems will um, update like at midnight, and then you can access pretty much anything uh, from the previous day back, but real time might take some time to batch to get it going. So um, let's see, I've already read that part. So use an internal master database to perform high level analysis and help manager make better decisions. So data warehouses are part of more advanced uh, MMSS Managers easily access and share data across enterprise. 
to get a broad overview rather than isolated segments of information. And just because you have a ton of data doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth, but it's another element to consider. It's another um, educated part of the decision process. So like, even if you do a clinical study, I do, let's say I do a clinical study, I study a piece of information and I vet it and it produces a result. Whatever that result is, is not 100% true. It is basically true at this point in time under these circumstances, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's absolute. That's why we have in something in science called replication. If I can replicate a study over and over again, a thousand times, a million times, and it gets the same results, it strengthens the truth of, of that. But if I, if I only do it once and I can't replicate it, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. And so same thing with data analysis. If I have some data and I analyze it and I come to this assumption or I come to this inference, doesn't necessarily mean that that data is, uh, is, is accurate or true. just means that this is the way that I've interpreted the data as it sits in front of me. Uh, I was looking at a chart before I came into class and um, I was doing some charting and I was like, you know, this is my prediction based on previous performance. And, and I was thinking, but just because I charted out this way and look at it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do that. Just to wait and see uh, how, how it works out. So um, data contains marks, which are special subsets of data warehouse that each deal with a single area of data organized for quick analysis. Data warehouses are used to gather, secure, and analyze data for the purposes like fraud detection, product line analysis, and corporate asset management. Retailers use for customer characteristics and shopping patterns. Banks can spot credit card fraud as well as analyze customer usage patterns. Absolutely. I got a phone call about two or three years ago from my bank, and it was kind of weird because I, I don't think I've ever been called by my bank before, maybe, but they called me to say my credit card, my debit card was used in Mexico City, Mexico. And I was in Mount Olive, North Carolina at the time. And they were saying, is this you? And I said, no, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm in North Carolina. And so somebody had taken my card, got the information, and created a fake debit card somehow out of it. And so they put a stop on that and sent me another one. But uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that data management was there to catch that. But also looking at customer characteristics, <coughs> every time, like I said, you purchase anything, <coughs> excuse me, the, whoever you're buying from gathers data from you. And if I click on that Facebook ad as an example and I purchase something, that automatically puts me in another category. That automatically tells Facebook, hey, this person will buy something if they get the right ad in front of them. And so that creates me as a, like they've already taken me from a general user to a super user at that point. And if I buy more than one thing, oh yeah, they're, they're, they've, they've, caught, they've caught something. You know, they've got somebody that's a live actor that's gonna, that's gonna spend money. How many of you guys buy, download apps that are free and end up buying something on the app or paying for something more on the app that has in-app purchases. Do you do that? What do you do that for? Okay. What do you buy? It's a free app, right? Mm -hmm. But what do you buy? Like, is it is it you buy retail items or? Okay, I got you. Um, do you ever? Does anybody ever download an app and, and upgrade the app? like in-app purchases, anything like, like a game or something. 
my wife, many years ago now, she was into a game. I don't know what it was, but she would she would hit me up and say, hey, we were on the same uh, iCloud account. She's like, hey, can I can I buy some diamonds or can I buy some coins or whatever it was, you know, to expand her game? And the way I looked at it was, you know, I'll spend 50 or 60 bucks on a video game if I want to play it, you know. And so if she wants to spend five bucks on a, a coin pack or a diamond pack to expand her game, that's not a big deal to me, you know. And she probably spent 40 or 50 bucks over the life of that game to expand and do whatever she wanted to do. But those in-app purchases, they know that the content creators for that app know that if we put out a great app, a million people might download it, only maybe 100,000 might buy you know, once, but maybe 10,000 will be core users that'll buy a bunch of stuff. And maybe 100 people will spend a ton of money on it. You know? So they, they've analyzed, they, they've made a business decision. They, they've analyzed and said, we know that if we can get a group of people together to create a good game, that um, we can see what, project what the revenue flow will be on that. And when you look at big apps that come out that are gaming apps and things like that, they've already done the math before the game is created. They, they've already figured out the psychology that has to go into it to get you to download it, the advertising that has to go into it to get it in front of your face. And they know that if they can get X number of downloads, they'll get X number of dollars off of that. So interesting stuff. Um, goes into really deep uh, consumer management, consumer science. So helps managers make decisions using interactive computer models that describe real-world processes. <clears throat> um, there's a thing about models. Uh, it's a saying, I'm stealing this quote from somebody else, but he said that all models are wrong. Some models are useful. Meaning that you ever watch the weatherman or woman say this is going to happen and it doesn't ever quite happen exactly like they say, right? Well, it's close, maybe, but like sometimes it's way off. You ever seen this? I mean, they did say it was going to be a bad hurricane season, but I don't think it really was. It was, it was an active hurricane. I don't think we got nearly what we could have got. We did have one hit us this year, right? What was, it, what was the one this year called? I don't even remember, yeah. So many we go through, so. Yeah, so... Um, you see weather people, and they, they're basically giving you feedback on the best data they have at the time, but uh, they're using a model. And the models uh, are useful, but they're not always correct. And so uses data from internal database, but looks for specific data that relates to problems at hand. Tools for answering what-if questions and what would happen if managers make changes. And so the good thing about models, if you have really good data, it gives you better models. You can use those models to make more informed decisions. Um, it's better than not having data, but you can't rely on the data 100%. You have to be able to interpret it and use your intuition and educated approach in order to enhance what the model's offering. So spreadsheets, models, um, furniture ex executive, improve memory. I'm sorry, yeah, furniture executive, improve inventory management systems. And so um, think about going back to modeling and talking about it briefly, you, nobody knows what the future is going to hold. But if you can get close to understanding what the future might hold, that's valuable. If you know that this consumer is going to be at that place at that time, yeah, that's a valuable thing to have. And so what's something that we can predict happens every year consumer-wise? What's something that we know is going to happen? I mean, Christmas, obviously, but what's something else? Black Friday. Black Friday. Great example, yeah. 
we know that customers spend like they spend 60 to 80 percent of their money at the first stop they make on black friday that's a known thing for retailers wherever you go first that's your most desired destination whether it be walmart or best buy or wherever it may be and the typical um, math that I've read is they spend 60 to 80% of their money at that first stop, and then they go somewhere else and they spend a little bit more, you know. So that's a predictable thing. So the reason why advertisers aggressively promote Black Friday is because they know how crucial it is to get you to be their first stop. The whole idea behind doorbusters, those are loss leaders. It's not, it's not reality to sell a big screen TV for 100 bucks or 200 bucks. That's like, you know, that's fantasy land. But the reason they do that is because they know if they can get you in the store, not only are you going to buy that TV, which they might have five or ten of, but you're going to buy some video games, you're going to buy some other things that are there, you're going to look around, and you're going to drop 60 80% of your cash that you had designated to spend that day uh, on whatever they're offering. So that's a big win for them. If they know the consumer's going to be there, they know there's a certain pot of money that's going to be available, how do we get it? How do we capitalize on it? Do you think that any other company is doing a good job to compete with Amazon online for Black Friday or anything? Do you think Walmart is good, is doing a good job competing? What do you think? No? I don't think so either. Yeah. Walmart's done a lot to try to compete. I just don't think they're, they're, they're there. So, so IT or information technology gives managers advice similar to what they would get from a human consultant. Probably better um, because you're getting – information that a consultant may not be privy to information or artificial intelligence enables computers to reason and learn to solve problems in ways humans uh, do using what if reasoning you know they can give you multiple scenarios of what could happen they can actually give they can actually run simulations and say this was what would happen if that happened and ai it's not where it needs to be yet but it's getting better every year and in the future I would say in the next couple decades, 10, 20 years, you'll be able to talk to AI in a very uh, conversational way and get AI to process things that you may not even understand, uh, can see from a human uh, vantage point. And they will tell you what if scenarios, this is what happened uh, in 10 different scenarios that are 10 most likely. And it can actually give you prediction models of what the most likely scenario is uh, based, and you can really make some serious, good business intelligent decisions. And so uh, AI offers low-end and top-of-the-line systems. Some take the place of human experts, whereas others assist them. Um, yeah, AI is, is really a fascinating topic. There's a guy named Ray Kurzweil. He's a uh, author in AI. And uh, just yeah, stay tuned. Um, we will have a, a serious uh, event horizon or consciousness event at some point where machines will talk to us as we're talking now and it'll you've ever, you ever heard of the Turing test yeah it's where you have a conversation with a computer and you can't tell if it's real or a machine and if you can't discern if it's a human or not it passes the test and we will have that probably in our lifetime pretty crazy to think about I'm, I'm excited for it and then the Terminator comes out with the machine guns, right? So, yeah, not looking forward to that. I hope that doesn't happen. So, All right, so with the help of computers, people have produced more data in the last 30 years than in the previous 5,000 years combined. And it's, it's just insane how fast it doubles. Yeah, the amount, of dub, the amount of time it takes to double the known knowledge on Earth 
like gets cut in half every couple of years, like more and more, like faster and faster doubling of human knowledge. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's brilliant. Companies make sizable investments, sometimes not reaping desired benefit from these expenditures. So managing enterprise-wise IT operations stretches across multiple locations. Software applications and systems is no easy task. This is the problem point for IT is that most of the companies I've worked for use multiple systems uh, in order to do the various applications that they have to do. It's very challenging to have one streamlined process or system that does all the IT management you need to do. IT managers deal with on-site systems, oversee networks, and other technologies connecting staff. Budget constraints and decentralized structures leading to duplication makes their jobs challenging. Goal is to develop an integrated company-wide technology plan that balances business judgment, technology expertise, and technology investments. Planning requires coordinated effort among top executives, IT managers, and business unit managers. These plans take into account strategic objectives and how the right technology helps reach goals. I'll say this, it really does take a level of intelligence to realize that you've got to invest in this infrastructure of IT in order to benefit from it greatly. So IT investment is not a cheap thing to do for businesses. I mean, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, you know, and so it depends on the size of the business. But you take that investment realizing that it's going to make me 10x, 50x, 100x on my money because of how I can leverage that technology to do things better. I mean, you gotta you gotta think, but in the, back in the '80s, before Walmart's POS point of sale uh, inventory management system was the new the new kid on the block, all these stores were managing through manual orders. You know, when you wouldn't scan something at the register, the system didn't know. Oh, I need to reorder that item. Didn't think about it. It wasn't there. They spent millions and millions of dollars integrating this uh, point of sale inventory management program that allowed them to dominate. And so Walmart dominated for the longest time, and now Amazon's the new kid on the block. And guess what? They did what Walmart did, but they did it better. And they said, not only can we do that, but we can decentralize it and make it so people don't have to go to the store to get it. They just push a button, and it'll be at their doorstep in two days. And Netflix did the same exact thing against Blockbuster. They thought Blockbuster had, oh, come pick up your video, yada, yada, yada. Netflix says, no, order online, to beat your door in a day or two. And then they did the streaming thing, and it was over. I mean, it's really a great story to watch and learn about how Netflix and Blockbuster all went at each other. So technology planning goes beyond buying new technology, more with less, uh, maximizing efficiency. And so um, one of the things about technology integration is it takes a long time. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to integrate this new multimillion-dollar uh, thing into my organization and make it happen overnight, at minimum, it's going to take years, multiple years to do it. And once you do that, you want to keep it for a while to make it work uh, and get, get your money out of it. So information management focuses on collecting, processing, and condensing information. Knowledge management is a more difficult task that focuses on researching, gathering, organizing, and sharing an organization's collective knowledge to improve productivity, foster innovation, and gain a competitive advantage. doesn't mean anything if you've got all this data if you don't know how to process it and know which metrics are important and know, like, if I've got all this uh, consumer data, what do I do with it? What does that data tell me? You know, like, 
how do I use that to anticipate what my consumer is going to want down the road and, and actually uh, make it so that I can improve upon my product and service and beat out my competition. That's what you want to figure out. You want to know how you can beat out your competition because if you can't meet that consumer need, those dollars are going to go somewhere else. They're going to find a home. And if it's not with you, it's going to be with your competitor and you're going to be out of business before you know it. And so you're trying to use this data to leverage the data to figure out uh, how to win this, this art of war, so to speak, uh, thing that you're continually in. Um, I was thinking of an example where the consumers were saying, this doesn't work for me anymore. Can you think of an example where a business just kept kind of status quo, the consumer was saying, eh, we're not, in, we're not into this, we're not going to do this, and then they eventually just folded. Did anybody download the Quibi app, by the way? Quibi, Q-U-I-B-I. It was a new concept for streaming. They were a new company that started within the past six months or so, and they came, they, 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 it was a multi-billion dollar raise they got to start this thing. And they came out with 10-minute or less programming. You go on there, you watch something, and it was 10 minutes or less. Quick Bites is what Quibi stood for. But Quibi, also, Quibi couldn't make it. They actually went out of business. They're folding. And the reason why they couldn't make it is because we already have Quibi. It's called YouTube. YouTube dominates for that type of audience already. Like, you can go on YouTube and see anything and everything. You don't have to pay for it. It's right there. The network effect is already won for YouTube. So, um, a new position has been created, the chief knowledge officer or the, the CKO. Um, better hardware and software is not the answer to knowledge management. Um, knowledge management is not technology-based, but is a business practice that uses technology. Technology facilitates knowledge management. So once again, it's not the data that's, the data is valuable, but you have to know how to interpret that data. First step, uh, create information culture through structure that rewards and promotes flexible, collaborative way of working. The benefits are reduced duplication of effort and increased shared knowledge. And so you want everybody in the organization thinking, um, what data do we have? How can we uh, extrapolate that data and analyze it, interpret it, and use it to do better things? It's really revelatory when you watch like a show or movie and the new guy that's coming to the company will say, hey, guys, uh, I just got here, but I've realized that, you know, there's all this data, and I actually looked at it. I know you guys have had it for 30 years, but I actually looked at it, and it says that this is what's happening. This is the trend. And then the old guys in the room say, you know, shut, shut up, kid. You know, just go away. But the kid was on to something, right? They figured out that you should be looking at this data and using it to inform your decisions, and so good technology plan provides employees with the tools they need to perform their jobs at the highest level of efficiency. Um, it allows you to do a needs assessment, ranking of projects, and specific choices of hardware and software. Uh, there is a table in the book that talks about this. Once project is identified and makes business sense, they choose the best products for the company's needs. Successful project requires evaluation and restructuring of business processes, choosing technology, implementing systems, and managing change processes. New information technology system on top of inefficient business process is a waste of time and money. So basically, if you're in, implementing new IT without knowing how to use it, knowing how to interpret it, it's not going to do you any good. And so getting to this last part here, talking about security, 
Security breaches of corporate information systems are increasing at an alarming rate. You've probably heard of ransomware, right? Some hacker will get into a corporate uh, system, uh, do something to compromise the data, and say that unless you pay me X number of dollars or whatever it may be, we are going to either uh, release the data or compromise it so you couldn't, you can't use it. There's a show on Netflix now, I believe, um, The Most Dangerous Weapon, I think. It's, uh, it might be on HBO. And it talks about governments doing this. Did you, you guys hear about the Sony hack that happened several years ago where they dumped a bunch of movies and a bunch of emails that was about Sony? Um, that was a nation-state level attack. North Korea actually hired a group of hackers to do that in retaliation for the movie The Interview. Anybody see that movie, The Interview? Kim Jong-il or Un? Mm. Really funny, really good movie. But they, they made the movie. North Korea was offended. So in order to retaliate, they hired a group of hackers to hack Sony. They got in, the hackers did, and spent months inside the system um, downloading data and finding out the most powerful way to compromise Sony. And they did a multi-million dollar attack that compromised a lot of their hardware that had to be replaced, but also they dumped the data on WikiLeaks and everybody in the world got to see all this inside corporate emails and stuff where you'd have the embarrassing thing comes out like uh, corporate executives talking trash about celebrities and things like that. So yeah, that's not good. So dependence on computer requires plan that cover human error, power outages, equipment failure, hacking, terrorist attacks, and natural disasters. Disasters are not only the only threat to date. Data can be easily tapped or destroyed by anyone who knows about computers. Keeping networks secure requires formal security policies and enforcement procedures. And so estimated that cybercrime costs businesses more than $2 trillion. That's major. Um, most costly category are worms, viruses, Trojan horses, computer theft, financial fraud, and un unauthorized network access. As we move towards a network and information economy, more opportunities exist for cybercrime. Computer crime and problems, unauthorized access and security breaches, viruses, worms, and Trojan horses, um, deliberate damage to equipment and information, spam, and then software and media piracy. Um, though, if you do get a chance to watch that movie, check it out. I think it's the most, it's the most dangerous weapon. And it talks about how the U.S. government released, oh man, what was the name of that worm they released? Uh, yeah, what's it called? Stuxnet. Stuxnet, yeah. They did it inside like an Iranian nuclear power plant to compromise it, but it got out to like the external environment because this was a uh, air-gapped facility. They didn't have any connection to the outside internet. It got out and it caused problems in all different types of facilities around the globe before they finally figured out a way to shut it down. So pretty interesting stuff. All right, guys, we'll take a time out there today. Um, enjoy your Veterans Day off tomorrow. Thank a veteran. Uh, if you have any questions, shoot me an email. I'm going to be sending out an email this afternoon just uh, with follow-up lectures and uh, information about homework, and I'll plan on seeing you guys next Tuesday. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.